What's up, Hyperfast Nation? On this episode of the podcast, we have a special guest. For years, he was the co-host of one of the best real estate podcasts in the world. In fact, it was like number two uh, in the business podcast section at one time, uh, Bigger Pockets. He also now runs several real estate funds and has nearly $200 million of real estate in contract. Welcome to the show, Brandon Turner. Welcome to the show today, Brandon. How are you doing? Dude, I'm amazing. I'm on a road trip around the country. So, I mean, what's not to be excited about? Yeah. I'm talking to you even better. No, that's it's, that's, like, it's wild. Uh, you're, you're what, in a golf stream? I think you said you're in Texas somewhere right now. <laughs> I'm in a, yeah, I'm in a 22-foot uh, Airstream trailer being pulled by a truck, which uh, I got broke down in the middle of New Mexico because it's not a road trip if you don't break down. And... Uh, you know, had a couple days delay, finally got to Austin and now to Houston and I'm sitting in a, my sister's driveway right now in my Airstream. So good, good stuff. Well, and and you brought the family with you, right? I did. I got the wife and two kids and they were to go over to Europe for a little bit and just kind of uh, enjoying this year. I've got kind of a, kind of a sabbatical sort of year where I, you know, took the year off the podcast, the Bigger Pockets podcast and just kind of enjoying family life and young kids. So good stuff well that's that's awesome it's it's amazing to see you know someone like you uh they'll just carve out that time especially when the kids are young like they'll they'll remember you know getting in the big old van or home yeah. with wheels whatever they call it you know they'll remember that for a long time <laughs> yeah i i remember when i was a kid we did a lot of road trips so uh it's always a it was an impactful thing on my childhood so trying to replicate that well, it's, it's amazing to have you on the show. Uh, for our listeners who maybe haven't listened to Bigger Pockets or heard of all the cool stuff that, that you're doing with Open Door Capital, uh, why don't you just give a little quick uh, you know, bio, who you are, how you, how you got to this you know, amazing uh, life that you're leading right now. Sure, man. Yeah, so uh, let's see. I started uh, investing in real estate back when I was like 21. I'm the son of a meat cutter and a daycare, like in-home daycare, so like very blue collar, uh, and was going to go to law school. You know, I, I thought that would be probably the path to take, and then that was a terrible idea. I realized because those people just work like 80 hours a week for decades, uh, just to you know go through six wives and you know die the richest guy <laughs> in the graveyard. And I thought, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's the path for me. So uh, I, I started digging around. I read some books, including Rich Dad Poor Dad, which everyone loves. Uh, I love. I kind of get into the mindset of, of there's something else out there and uh, got into real estate, started buying real estate. By the time I was 27, I had enough real like rental property income to quit my job. I mean, I was only making like 12 or $13 an hour anyway. So quit my job. And then uh, around that time, I found myself with a lot more free time. So I started, uh, I, I started helping out Josh Dorkin, who had built this site, Bigger Pockets, which at the time was a small... Uh, uh, real estate website, and we started a podcast, and uh, it took off. 
And that kind of helped fuel the growth of Bigger Pockets. So today there's millions and millions of people who are a part of Bigger Pockets. And the show ended up becoming like the number, I think, I think the highest we ever got was the number two business podcast in the world behind Dave Ramsey. Uh, and then kind of at the height of its popularity, about four months ago, I stepped away and said, you know, this company needs to thrive without me at the, at the kind of the face of it. So, and they're doing just as well. They've even, they've been like doing better without me, which is real good for the ego. It feels real good. They're, uh, but they're, they're mm. crushing it and I'm taking some time off. So at the same time, I, I say I'm taking time off. I'm buying like i don't know i think i'm in contract for like 200 million dollars with the real estate right now but uh through a company i founded called open door capital and we buy apartments mobile home parks all sorts of stuff and uh yeah and then i also do some vacation rental stuff and yeah man it's been a it's been a journey well i've i've been impressed just watching what you've done with open door capital like that's that's kind of I think when you first came on my radar, maybe through the GoBundance, you know, networking group that we're yeah. in, but I remember when you, you rolled out the first fund, maybe just two years ago, I'm guessing. Um, yeah. And now I think what you're on fund six on, yep. on open door. Yeah. Capital? We just launched fund six last. Yep. Launched fund six last week. It was a, I think we're trying to raise 35 million and I think we already hit it now. I mean, we were at 90% yesterday, so it took about a week to raise that, which, yeah, it's funny because the first fund, and this is just a lesson for everyone. The first time, right, let's go back three years. Three years ago, I said to my, uh, I got a performance coach named Jason. He's awesome. And we're sitting there chatting and I'm like, I hate raising money. I don't want to ever raise money. I'm not good at raising money. I don't like it. Whatever real estate adventure I do in the future, I don't want to have it involving raising money. And we really like talked, you know, mm. as a performance coach does. It's like, well, why do you feel that way, right? And like, like let's let's explore that. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so fast forward, then uh, you know, another year. So about two years ago, I raised my first fund. It took three months to raise three million dollars, and I was like, this is hard. It's like pulling teeth. And uh, yeah, now it's just like a week to raise 35, 40 million, and we'll have a waiting list. It's crazy how that grows, right? And uh, yeah, it's. And it just kind of compounds on itself. So the first time you do anything, it's always difficult and, and, and difficult, difficult, hard. Um, it's like pulling teeth on anything. So if you stick through stuff long enough, you get there. What, what's been the, the challenges with, with the fund and, you know, going from that, that first one to now where you're doing 35 million in, in like a week yeah. or two, like how, yeah. how, how did you build that? What were the necessary pieces to kind of insert to scale? Sure. Yeah, you know it's funny because I, you know, I, I did the decade I spent at Bigger Pockets, right? Like I was, I started out as like, you know, writing blog posts, and then later, you know, doing the podcast, and then um, I was VP of this and VP of that, and I did all these roles of like these marketing roles, and in that in that role in that world of like marketing, there's a common phrase that everyone talks about: the money is in the list. I've heard it a million times. The money is in the list. Mm. In other words, your email list. When you have a big email list, the money's there. And I'm always like, yeah, that's why we work so hard to build an email list at Bigger Pockets. And that's one of the reasons Bigger Pockets is so successful. Now, for some reason, that never made it into my head when it came to my own personal real estate investing. So I never had a list. I never had an email list. I didn't, I, you know, like, it was, all I had was Instagram. And I've got a big Instagram, but, like, that's all I had. Uh, and so the biggest lesson I've learned that I give to other people is, like, dig your well before you're thirsty. In other words, like start your email list now. Start getting a database of people who maybe someday will want to invest with you, even if they don't want to now. Start building that today. So three, five, ten years from now, you've got this massive list. So our ability to raise 
is a direct correlation to the amount of emails we have on our list. Uh, specifically accredited investor emails. Like, I mean, if you're not an accredited investor, we can't take your money anyway. For those who don't know what that means, it basically means you're rich. You, you know, you're a millionaire or you make really good income at your job. Uh, and so like we, we now work very hard to build our email list. I mean, I have a text message, uh, email text message thing that goes out every week, like a newsletter, and I'm constantly pushing people towards that, where I give like a lot of good information. We call it the behind the beard uh, text message letter or text letter. Uh, it's kind of like, a, hey, this is the kind of behind the scenes of what's going on in my life uh, and some of the lessons I'm learning as I'm building Open Door Capital. But all that's designed, I mean, really, uh, to build trust and credibility in an email format so we can hit them. So that's the, that's probably the biggest challenge and lesson that we've learned is get your email list building uh, and then use that. Don't just like have a bunch of emails, but be fostering the relationship on a regular basis. You know, I once had a guy tell me the reason he invested in Open Door Capital is because how I talk about my wife online. And I'm not like patting myself on the back here saying, wow, I'm a nice husband. What I'm saying is people are watching how you do everything because how you do everything is how you do everything. Uh, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? So they see how you talk about your kids and your wife and your employees and your ski trips and your time with your buddies. And they see you out there like, you know, getting wasted with your buddy online and, you know, getting a tattoo on your face. Like that, like that <laughs> affects your ability later on to build, to get private lenders and, and, uh, and, and investors and partners and all that stuff. Because how you do anything is how you do everything. So, yeah, there's a few lessons there. Building Open Door Capital have been, I wish I would have known three years ago. What, what were, uh, like, what are, what are some of the methods you use to, to build your, your email list, uh, especially for someone like starting out, maybe that's never raised capital, but they're thinking about doing it in a year or two. Like how, how do you get people to yeah. sign up? Cause a lot of people don't want to get more emails. Yeah. A lot of people want less emails. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to. So yeah. So a couple of things that I like about emails. Number one is we're very clear on what you're going to get. If you sign up for an email list, right? You get a once a week, uh, newsletter, either email or text message format. I like text message better because text has a way better open rate than email does. Uh, like I, I like that, but I want both. So if you sign up for our email list, we ask for your phone number. If you give us your phone number, we ask for email. We want, we really want both. Um, but yeah, so you, I'm very clear on what you get. You get a once a week newsletter from me about, and then it's not just about me. It's like what I'm learning that can help you in your business, right? So it's always like, what's in it for me? People are, everybody's greedy. Everybody cares about one thing themselves. So like knowing that I want to make sure that whatever I'm offering, like if you sign up for my email list, that it benefits you. I mean, I even, we do, we do Facebook ads for an ebook that I wrote. It's like a short ebook. It's like 20 pages. It's called massive income to passive income. This is the, what the book's called. And it's a, a guide for turning great income into generational wealth. That's what it, that's the subtitle. And so I just put together like, this is how rich people invest. And I was like, they can invest in this way. They can do stocks. They can do this. Or this is they can do real estate. And real estate works this way. And here's how you invest in a city. Because let's be honest. If you're making you know, half a million dollars a year at your job, you probably shouldn't be out there flipping houses. You shouldn't be out there trying to buy a duplex and working your nights and evenings trying to fix toilets, right? Like you, especially if you have a job that's scalable, you should be working your job that you're good at, that you've got a decade or two decades of experience in, do that. And if you're rich, you should be just be dumping your money into syndicators or private lending or whatever. Like get your money working for you, not your time. Uh, so I explain how that's done. So so in other words, again, it's an ebook, but it's not an ebook about me. Like the book's, you know, Brandon Turner and how awesome he is. No, it's like, this is an ebook about how you as a wealthy person 
can grow your, you know, grow your generational wealth. What's in it for me? What's in it for them? Uh, so then we advertise that on Facebook. That drives people to a landing page where they just sign up to get the ebook. And of course, now we have their email and their phone number, and they may invest in our fund someday. Not right away, right? Just like the first time you heard of Coca Cola, you didn't drink it. Most likely, they take it takes seven interactions with the brand. So. Get my text letter weeks in a row. Get my newsletter. Uh, follow me on Instagram. See how I talk about my family. All that stuff builds relationships on an ongoing basis. And then when you need something, then you can ask for it. Hey, I'm raising money for a deal. And people are like, oh, yeah, I like that guy. Yeah, I like that guy. I think I'll invest in his deal. And that's uh, – it, it's yeah, the, phenomenal. The, the text... I nobody really talks about this, kind of the marketing side, but I like it a lot. The, the text newsletter I thought was really cool and just the way you – you tied it into the beard and I, I think I signed up for it a couple months ago. I saw something on Instagram about it and, oh, good. and you, um, get my spam. It's great. you know, you, <laughs> but you, you really get, you really get like, kind of like, this is what Brandon's doing to, you know, this week. And, and so it's, it's kind of cool. Cause it's, it's different than the typical like marketing email. Right. So I, yeah, yeah I, I think it's pretty cool. What, what if people want to sign up for that, what, how do they do that by the way? The, the text letter. I think it's just behindthebeard.com. I think we own that domain, behindthebeard.com. Okay. If it's not that, it's uh, Beardy Brandon, like beard with a Y, beardybrandon.com. You can sign up there. But yeah. And you've, you've also done the. It's the been phenomenal, though. It's the beard on it, right? The, yeah. The, yeah. Well, the that was. The coffee. Uh... Yeah. So I got, a friend came to me. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, Beardy Brew. I have it here somewhere. But yeah, Beardy Brew Coffee. A, a friend came to me who uh, he's good friends with a co- one of the best coffee roasters in Maui. And he's like, hey, let's make a, a, a beer, a, you know, Brandon Turner branded coffee. And I'm like, uh, like I don't want to do that. And he's like, he's like, I'll do all the work. I'll do all the work and you just, you know, advertise it. And it never really was about money. I mean, we don't make a lot of money. I mean, it's a little bit here and there. Uh, we got, you know, a few hundred subscribers that get monthly coffee. But the value is in the relationships, like because now I can give people a coffee with my face on it, like Beardy Brandon. Like it's it's a funny little like relationship builder. Uh, that means more than like, hey, I bought you a you know a bottle of wine, which is cool. But it's like, hey, this is my own specialty coffee. I'm bringing it to you. It it's kind of builds a relationship. I give it to people on random occasions, and and uh, yeah, it's just a branding play. It makes people smile and chuckle. I would say it's the only it's the only coffee with a real piece of beard hair in every cup. It's not true. <laughs> like it's a good slogan. I hope that's not true. What's um what's <laughs> what's next for Open Door? Uh, by the way, I know you you started off. Uh, I think pretty much focused on mobile homes, and the last the last couple ones I've seen you yeah. do, you've you've gotten some bigger apartment buildings, multifamily. Um, what what are you guys looking at? You know, ahead for the the next the phase of this? Yeah. Yeah, I really like mobile home parks a lot. I mean, I think mobile home parks are, are a great investment. Uh, I think that they are very recession resistant. So if we say recession, I think they're going to be okay. Um, there are upsides and downsides. They're a little more difficult to manage. So we had to open our own management company. It's called Open. Uh, and so we, we're building that right now. And so it's been good. The reason we shit we brought in is two reasons. One, there's just not that many mobile home parks out there. Uh, and our ability to raise capital just couldn't satisfy like our investors' desires with just mobile home parks. That's one reason. The other reason is diversification. You know, they you, you never want to be, I mean, I don't like the idea of putting all my eggs in one like asset class because let's just say, you know, whatever, Bernie Sanders gets elected and he says, 
no more rent raises on a mobile home parks. These people need to be cared for. And then you're like, oh, <laughs> now we can never grow ever. Like it's it's doubtful, but it's a it's a it's a risk with anything, right? So I like to be spread out. So we added apartments on. We are likely going to get into self storage. We're likely going to get into um, uh, hotels at some point. Uh, possibly a little bit of development and maybe even technology. What I want to do is I want to create in the future blended funds. I, I'm a big, big fan of diversification. So if I can get a fund with three or four asset classes within, uh, then uh, and get some experts to run kind of each division, uh, then I think we can get a more like stabilized, risk-adjusted return for investors. That's that's where we're headed. That that's a pretty interesting concept, right? I've, I don't are there, are there examples of that out there, or how did how did you I'm gonna put that idea together. Yeah, the best I know example I know is like something like that. Blackstone. Yeah, it's like private equity is probably the only example right. I can think of is like big private equity firms or REITs maybe, but even REITs try to stay somewhat specific in what they're in. Um, and I don't know for sure we'll do that, but I, I like the idea a lot. And the more and more I look into it, the more and more I want to go that route. Because yeah, I mean, what if, you know, what if self storage suddenly just has a problem or I mean I think the biggest risk real real estate investors have today I think all of us in real estate investing the biggest risk we have is not an economic risk as much as it is a political risk I think the risk is that mm. as we grow and I don't think this is the right or wrong but as America becomes more and more uh, like inflation hits and the rich become richer and the poor become poorer the inevitable result of that is going to be things like rent control and and those situations where politicians and politicians today are getting elected more and more who have no experience knowing how to govern right they're just like uh real estate investors or or, or bartenders or whatever right like hey i served in the military now i'm 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 ability you know to serve and and lead the country and you know i i love our military i love bartenders i love real estate investors uh you know but anybody with a good TikTok can now get in, can now get into politics, and so that worries me um, in terms of like the craziness that could happen uh, with political. So by being spread out in multiple asset classes, I'd like to think that that will lessen all of our risk a little bit. Yeah, the, the social media thing is interesting because it it used to be to really have influence, you had to kind of have been a career politician, and you know probably yep. compromise some of your values along the way, get into leadership. And then now you <laughs> yeah. kind of see this dynamic where young, young people that have a big TikTok or Instagram following can wield almost as much power as the party leaders, uh, or maybe more in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, crazy. It's crazy. Like, I think guys so like, that, I don't know, like I, I've, I've often say like the most powerful person in America is not the president. It's Joe Rogan. And I really believe that like Joe Rogan <laughs> has the ability to affect hundreds of millions of people's views and opinions and their heart uh, like he can change a culture uh and so can a lot of podcasters but i would say joe because he's you know he's the biggest but that's the that's the world we live in today is that is the power has been uh i guess moved or shifted into media and uh yeah it's a it's an interesting dynamic that we're getting into so if, if joe rogan all of a sudden says yeah real estate investors are terrible and you know that rent should be capped and no rent raises ever again. Like, I think the American public would be like, yeah, you're right. That's a good idea. And then politicians will follow the public. Uh, and yeah, let's just hope, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's just, it's a risk. So uh, investors, that's what we do. We try to try to figure our best way around risk and try to diversify and where, yeah. Crazy times. Where do you think we, we end up going with like the market and inflation and then 
I know I heard you say you might get into development, which is really, really hard to do right now. The labor and, and uh, supply yeah. shortages are, are throwing some yeah. wrenches in there. And it, it just it just doesn't seem like we have the ability, even when it's extremely profitable, to like build enough homes to kind of keep yeah. up with yeah. what we might need. Yeah, right it's, it is a fascinating time right now, right? Because, like, yeah, we have... We don't have enough housing. They're not building enough. There's more people coming here than they're building for. It's like it's all, there's all these issues, uh, but they can't build enough. Like you said, supply chain stuff is, is causing problems. So, I don't th- I don't see a change coming anytime soon, except for when it's political. And I do, I do believe we will see rent control like sweep the nation in the next five years. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Um, is that bad? Not necessarily. I mean, there's lots of people who have figured out how to navigate rent control in California for the past, you know, whatever, 30 years or whatever it's been. Like, they, they figured out and they actually make a lot of money. And, in fact, there's studies that show that rent control actually makes the problem worse. And it's just the, it's the answer that politicians go to uh, is rent control. So, um, as a result, I mean, we're, we're trying to invest much more heavily in red states than blue states because red states will not do rent control as quick as blue states will. But I could see it being a national thing at some point. Uh yeah, I mean, they're going to have to try to solve the problem some way. I think we'll see an expansion of, like, the Section 8 program or whatever it's called today. I think they got another fancy name to it, but um, we're going to see more of that. I think there's going to be a larger and larger push towards, like, housing as a right uh, rather than a privilege, like owning your own home. So they're going to keep pushing that. And I think landlords come out on top on that in that scenario. I think they're going to give a lot of people money to buy a property or to, to rent, and then we get to take that money and go with it. I mean, mm-hmm. if, it if it comes with a... Rain control will survive. But, yeah, I don't see a collapse coming, but who knows? I mean, nobody ever sees a black swan event coming, so it could happen. Is this is this one of the reasons why I think before the show you, you said you're going to – you're getting into some short-term rentals? Um, you know, because the, the cash flow is yeah. higher on those, and if rent control comes, those might be kind of outside of that, uh, you know, effect. Yeah, I like – I like vacation rentals. Really, I got into it more because um, I had to do a 1031 exchange. I was selling a property. I had to buy another one, and some a condo came up at a vacation rental spot in Maui, and I was like, I'll buy it. So I bought it and ended up cash flowing like seven grand a month. Like, the thing's stupid. It's just like Prince money. So then I bought a second one, and we're modeling it right now. Uh, I don't know if I'll keep going that route. I mean, it's fairly easy. I don't. I have an assistant that runs the whole business for me, and I don't have to do much, so it's hard to turn that kind of good cash flow away. Uh, especially because, you know, when you're a syndicator like I am, right? So when we're raising money for deals, it's not like I get a lot of money now. I mean, all my wealth at the end. I mean, I get acquisition fees, but that goes to pay my salaries. And so, you know, if, if it's like, hey, seven grand for every condo I buy in Maui, I'm like, it's hard to turn that away. So uh, it is partially a diversification play. I, I'm also, I, I'm interested in the idea, and this might apply to other people out there listening. You know, development is is hard right now, and it's hard to make good cash flow in the beginning because you've got years of development costs and building, right? Uh, even value-add is difficult to make money in the beginning. Uh, Non-value-add is hard to make money in the beginning. Everything's hard to make money in the beginning uh, right now, cash flow-wise in America. But vacation rentals make money from day one. So what I'm interested in is can I add enough vacation rentals into a fund, a diversified fund, 
to get cash flow right away that brings the entire average up in the beginning. So I can say, let's say, we, hey, we're going to buy 20 vacation rentals in the fund that are going to produce massive cash flow. That's going to offset the fact that this value-add apartment is going to have mm. no cash flow for the first three years, but we can average a 6% return the first year. Right? I think that's a, an interesting idea. I got that from David Green because he's doing something similar right now. Uh, David Green was my co-host on the podcast, uh, the Bigger Pockets podcast. He's doing that, and it's a, it's a fascinating idea. Uh, so I don't know. Have you played with that at all? We've, we've got about eight vacation rental doors in, down here in South Florida. And, um, you know, I, I yeah. like them for the reasons you said, high, high cash flow within a couple months. And, you know, I've, I've got a large real estate brokerage in D.C. Our slow months for that business tend to be December, January, February, which is like the peak months of the South Florida vacation rental. So it's, it's kind of yep. a good... Um, offset there so I, I think i made a few more down here and then, then maybe do some in central florida then maybe uh tennessee kind of in the next phase just have them you know that's awesome. five to ten in in, in each location because that, that's about the size where you can really get some benefits of uh you know scale of economy on management and whatnot but then you know don't get too i guess uh heavy in one spot because you never know what new regulations yep. travel pandemic could could kind of natural disaster, you know, could wipe out an area's uh, cash flow for three to six months. So that's that's kind of my SDR strategy right now. Um, uh, well, this this it, has been awesome. Um, I know we've we've, we've only got uh, a few more minutes here. I always like to end with a hyper fast round. If you're ready for some rapid fire questions and answers, let's, let's do it, man. I'm all about it. All right. What's your biggest piece of advice to a new real estate investor today? I uh, do a lot of reading. I'm a big reading fan or listening to audiobooks, but like when you read a book, it's like you're distilling the information from somebody's like brain into a document that then you get to download into your brain. So uh, read a lot, even if you don't like reading. I think that's number one. And then really think about real estate as a series of systems or processes. What I mean by that is like, like success should never be a surprise. You should never be like, oh my gosh, I got abs. Look at that, where'd they come from, right? Or, or wow, look at these muscles. I have no idea where they came from. Like success is not a surprise. It's a, it's a result of a process, right? Real estate's the same way. No one's like, oh my gosh, I just got my first real estate deal. Where'd that come from? No, you made an offer. You analyzed some property. You were talking with agents. You were out there at open houses, right? So there are things we can do that will drive the the results that you want to see. And so when you see an investor out there with 10, 20, 30, 50 properties or buying a dozen deals a month, whatever, or buying you know hundreds of millions of dollars of real estate, they are no different than you. They just are better at the processes. They, they do them, they track them. So if you're a new investor, just think through, like, what are those processes? It's probably like analyzing deals, getting leads somehow. Like, there's a lot of ways to do that. Like, you know, making offers, that kind of stuff will lead to the result that you want. So focus on the process and read a lot of books that'll help you figure out what the process is. What's a, a mistake you see experienced investors making? Mm, yeah, I, I talk to a ton of real estate investors who are very stuck in the I need to do everything world. Like, like I have to be the one that analyzes the deal. I have to be the one that talks to the agents and the brokers. I have to be the one that crawls under the house and fixes the pipe. 
they they're experienced, but they're still stuck in this like DIY mentality, mm-hmm. and they have a really hard time elevating their mindset to one of leadership and owner like management and ownership. Um, it's the classic Kiyosaki cash flow quadrant. There's there's people who are employed, there are people who are self-employed, and then there are business owners and investors. So many experienced real estate investors are stuck in self-employed. The deal only makes sense because they're in it and they feel like nobody else can do it as well as them. So I would encourage people to elevate their mindset and ask the question like WWEMD, like what would Elon Musk do? Like, or what would Richard Branson do? What would, you know, whoever you admire as an entrepreneur that runs a big operation, like what would they do? They wouldn't be out there, you know, shaking the trees, getting leads themselves. They'd run a team of people who do that. So that, that's the biggest mistake I see um, experienced people make. They get stuck. If you had to start over and all you could bring with you is your knowledge, you couldn't take your reputation, your email lists, your money, uh, what would the first thing be that you went out and did? Mm, that's a great question. Let me think. All I got is my knowledge. Uh, the first thing I would do is probably go to a local real estate meetup. I'd find a meetup in an area, and they're all over the place all the time. Go to meetup.com, go to biggerpockets.com slash events, whatever. There's meetups all over. And I would go to those uh, because your what's the phrase? Your net worth is your network. Uh, and so I would start building my network of people and I've got the knowledge so I can start gathering people around me and teaching them and showing them what we're doing and bringing in partners. Cause I got, I got no money then in that case, I got no, you know, connections. So I got to build the connections, which will then fund my deals and my knowledge I'll use to get other people finding the deals and we'd all win together. So I'd go to a meetup. All right. If you weren't doing real estate, what would you be doing? Hmm. What would I be doing? Camping. No, uh, let's see. I really like marketing a lot. I mean, you can probably hear my voice when I talk about like marketing funnels and stuff. I'd probably own an internet company, some kind of like, I don't even know, just any kind of internet. I like in- information space, so education, teaching people stuff. So uh, I might even be a teacher, just be like a math teacher or something like that at a school, history teacher. That'd be fun. All right, last one. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? billionaire no uh maybe uh i want to work more than i do today i don't work a ton of hours today especially once the bigger pockets podcast ended i mean i i meet with my team regularly at open door capital but uh 10 years from now i'm gonna have teenagers so i will be i want to be running more um i guess a bigger business like again like that sounds weird because i we have we have a big business right now but uh more of like a Blackstone type business where it's like, like this is a legit operation. Like this is huge. I think that'd be fun. Not for the money. I don't really care about the money anymore. Uh, I mean, money's nice, but uh, I'm, I'm already going to be set. I'm already fine right now. I'm financially free. So just having a big operation and helping more people like within my organization become financially free. I love that. I love helping my team be good. And it's just a challenge. It's kind of like money is a scorecard in a way. So like how big of a business I can build is kind of a, a not a game, but, it's it's fun. So, building more of a business and helping my you know doing a lot more actually camping with the at that point teenagers in my life. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, before we sign off, if people want to connect with you or sign up for the newsletter or you know any of your cool stuff, uh, what should they do? Sure, man. Thanks. Uh, 
Yeah, BeardyBrandon.com is probably a decent hub. So Beard with a Y, BeardyBrandon.com. Or my uh, my real estate website is ODC Fund. Com. It's Open Door Capital, so odcfund.com is all things investment related. All right, guys, make sure you connect with Brandon. He's got some amazing uh, content on social media, Instagram, and, the, and then the, the text newsletter as thanks, well. Man. And uh, once again, thanks for being on the show, Brandon, and to all of our listeners and viewers out there. Uh, please share this episode with as many people as you know that would benefit from it, and we'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure and go to hyperfastagent.com to learn about upcoming in-person and online events. And don't forget to share this show with someone that you think could benefit from hearing it. And make sure you subscribe on YouTube or anywhere that you can find podcasts.